Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Shona Jenkins. Nissan's decision to reverse a promise to build its latest sport utility vehicle, the X-Trail, at its Sunderland plant in the UK has sent shockwaves through the industry. Matthew Vincent discusses what's behind the decision and the political and economic repercussions of the news with Peter Campbell, motor industry correspondent, and Jim Pickard, chief political correspondent. Peter, it's pretty unheard of, isn't it, for a company like Nissan to reverse a decision of this nature. What does Nissan say its reasons are? So at the time Nissan made its investment announcement in 2016, they always said the decision would be open to or subject to changes if the business environment changed. And all of us took that to mean changes around Brexit, changes around Britain's trading relationship with the EU, particularly because Sunderland exports more than half of its cars to the EU. In fact, the reason that Nissan gave when they made the announcement on Sunday that they weren't going to build the X-Trail at Sunderland was that it was due to changes in business environment, which didn't in fact mean its relationship with Europe, but meant more of a decline in the diesel market in Europe and some higher costs that the company faces while developing the vehicle. But it did also flag up that Brexit uncertainty was not helping businesses such as Nissan plan for the long term. So what would you say is the main factor? Is it more to do with the European diesel market? So if you look at the diesel market in Europe, it was still reasonably healthy in 2016. Since then, it's fallen significantly and is expected to continue to fall significantly. Now, the X-Trail is the biggest vehicle that Nissan makes. It's a big sports utility vehicle and is therefore predominantly sold in diesel. Nissan wasn't going to start producing the vehicle till about 2022 and would sell it for probably another seven years, which means the company needs to ask itself, is there really going to be a significant market for a large diesel SUV in Europe in the late 2020s? And if the market isn't going to be sufficiently big, then the company would save lots of money by producing it in Japan instead. Because I imagine one of the things they're struggling to do is to hit the emissions targets, then all kinds of costs have to be squeezed. Another thing that's changed in the last two years is the EU emissions regulation, particularly going into the next decade. The costs of complying with that, I'm told, have been higher than Nissan expected. And that means they've tried to claw back costs from elsewhere in the project. And again, it costs millions and millions of pounds to build the vehicle in the UK in addition to building it in Japan. And it just doesn't make commercial sense to do that anymore. And one other factor which I think has been highlighted by a few people is this new trade deal that Japan has with the EU, which I imagine means it makes even more sense to manufacture in Japan and then just export. So currently all of the sort of 70,000 X-Trails that Nissan sells a year across Europe are exported from Japan. If they carry on being exported from Japan, they will obviously face lower tariffs under the Japanese trade deal. Now, it's not a full free trade agreement. It still has some tariffs, but they get wound down over time. That would certainly help, although my understanding is that's not been critical to Nissan's decision. There was one other factor as well, which we also need to consider with Nissan, which is this is a company that is undergoing enormous internal transition. Uh, The former chief executive of Nissan, Carlos Ghosn, is currently in prison in Japan and awaiting trial. And the new management of Nissan have taken a far more Japan-centred focus to the business, which has led some people to believe that what they're trying to do is to fill the Japanese factories as much as they can before they start looking at other international plants. So of those four reasons, Brexit, European diesel, the trade deal, or the Japan-centred approach, which is the most decisive, do you think? 
it's very difficult to pick an absolute winner. I think diesel and higher costs were definitely highlighted in the letter. Brexit is a factor, though honestly, it's not key simply because if Brexit was the driving factor and fears of a hard Brexit, you'd expect the company to wait till April when we know if we have a hard Brexit before making this decision. So I think Brexit is actually quite far down the list. Jim, if I could come to you now. Have we had complete clarity on what exactly it was that Theresa May promised Nissan in her so-called secret undertakings. Now, if we rewind the clock a couple of years to late 2016, there was a lot of interest in this letter that emerged from Greg Clark, the business secretary, to Nissan, offering various reassurances and persuading them to not only stay, but also expand and build the X-Trail. And it's been a real sort of mystery what was in this letter People tried to FOI it, Freedom of Information, unsuccessfully. And Peter sat to my left, is very modest, but he was the person who first got hold of the contents of this around 24 hours ago. And what was in there was a surprise to a lot of people because Greg Clark had said on several occasions that there hadn't been specific financial assistance to the company. He'd used some phrase about, I don't have a checkbook. And yet there it was, £61 million broken down in various elements of support whereby it was about environmental improvements, if Nissan could prove that it was supporting the local supply chain, money for training, money for research and development. Should the company meet those various conditions, it would eventually get 61 million quid. Although I should hasten to add that only 2.6 million pounds has been received so far. What was also in the letter was what appeared to be assurances for Nissan that their trading conditions wouldn't be, and I quote, adversely affected by Britain's departure from the EU. But what was interesting in the letter was that it stopped short of promising anything specific. There was no mention of remaining in the customs union or single market access or anything that Nissan might be able to view as a tangible promise, but more sort of warm words, which two and a half years later, and with Britain apparently heading for a no-deal exit, seemed considerably less warm than they did. So, Jim, of this £61 million, only two and a bit received so far, what's going to happen to the package now, given what Nissan has decided? I was sat on the press gallery yesterday in the House of Commons when Mr Clark was forced to go and talk to MPs and give a statement about what was going on at Nissan in Sunderland. And he made it very clear that the company is going to have to reapply for these subsidies and I think that's going to happen fairly quickly. I think it would be a mistake to presume that the money will be vastly reduced because at the end of the day, as Peter explained earlier, the X-Trail is only a small part of production there. They're still creating loads of other types of cars and the money wasn't just predicated on the X-Trail and therefore we may find that it's not very far south of 60 million after all. What's the political reaction been in Westminster. You were there soaking it all up yesterday. I'm imagining that people on both sides of the Brexit debate have got pretty strong views on this. What's quite interesting is that Clark, behind the scenes, is one of the biggest fighters against no-deal Brexit. He is someone who's clearly petrified of the consequences for British economy and, in particular, industry and heavy industry of Britain crashing out of the EU without a deal. But when you see him in person 
in Parliament, he's a very kind of softly spoken, mellifluous character whose purpose seems to be to try and reassure everybody that things aren't heading for disaster. And he was focusing very much on the fact that there won't be job losses as a result of this. Yes, there will be hundreds of jobs that are not created in the future, but there aren't any actual job losses. There's still 7,000 people at the plant in Sunderland, still creating the Kashkai, I might have mispronounced that, and various other cars, SUVs. But Perhaps unsurprisingly, in this febrile political climate that we're in, everything's seen through the prism of Brexit and whether you love it and whether you hate it. And therefore, on the one side, we've had people like Jacob Rees-Mogg popping up on the radio in recent days saying repeatedly, and not unfairly, that this is primarily about difficulties in the diesel market and not about Brexit. You know, and he's got a very good point. But on the other side, the Remain MPs or soft Brexit MPs, whatever you want to call them, They are not saying this is entirely the fault of Brexit because they know that would be a lie. But what they are saying is here is proof that at a time of great uncertainty, companies that could be investing in Britain are rethinking those decisions. And should we head for no deal, if the prime minister doesn't rule out no deal pretty quickly, then the economy is going to suffer. And they were making their point in spades yesterday. I'm sure they were. And finally, Peter, for the UK car industry in particular, I mean, how serious a setback is the Nissan news, not just for people at the Sunderland plant, but also for the whole supply chain? Well, any lost investment from the UK car industry will be viewed negatively, particularly with the risks at the moment around Brexit. We've seen a number of manufacturers in recent years pledge to build new models in Britain. We had Nissan with the Qashqai and the X-Trail, although the X-Trail is not coming here. We've had Honda, we've had BMW, we've had others saying they'll build new models in the UK. But the problem is every time a car manufacturer produces a new model, decides where it's going to make it, its plants around the world and around Europe compete for that work. Now, Britain historically has been very good at winning a lot of that, but primarily because one of our sales pitches is come to Britain and sell in Europe, which is why many of our plants are so heavily predicated on export to Europe. Now, many of the Japanese manufacturers are, some of the others are as well. And the result of the Brexit vote has been to slam the brakes on investment in the car industry as people wait to see how it's all going to turn out. We had figures a couple of weeks ago from the SMMT, the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders, which showed that investment levels in the UK car industry have fallen by 90% in the last few years, primarily because everybody is uncertain around whether or not Britain is the right place to put your money if you want to build cars and the parts that go in them. So until we have resolution over Brexit, I think that is going to remain on hold, that spending. And particularly for the car factories here, when they're looking at new models, if Britain does get a hard Brexit, a Brexit that incurs tariffs and border checks, all of the companies say that will seriously hurt their business model and seriously affect their chances of winning new work in the future. And it will lead to what the trade body has described as death by a thousand cuts for the industry. That was Matthew Vincent talking to Peter Campbell, motor industry correspondent, and Jim Pickard, chief political correspondent. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com forward slash offer.